0: as so we open in worship, sing along with us if you know the song. Well, I've searched the world
1: Nothing is better than you. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only gardens. You turn goals into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only there's nothing Nothing is better than You Lord, there's nothing Better than You Oh, there's nothing Better than You Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than You You turn dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn braves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who
2: can. Hey, can you say amen to that? It's good to see you this morning. Isn't it much better to be here today than it was would have been if you'd have been here last week, right? Amen? Amen. How many of you would have re- would, you would rather have the snow and the ice that we had last Sunday? Anybody at all? Once every once in a while be nice, yeah, I agree, but I am sure glad it's gone, aren't you Amen. and god 's given us this day to come and worship, and in that song very much is true of what, you're just, God is so good, he's so good to us, and I'm so grateful that we're here to celebrate that. If today's your first time to ever come to Sunset Hills, we're glad you made it this way. If you would be so kind to either do a one of two things, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. If you just text hi, if you've got that technology to that number up there, just there's a couple of questions we'd like for you to take a look at and just give us some information. Or there's a welcome center out in the uh, kiosk out there in the foyer that we would like for you to stop by so we could get to know you a little better. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad to see you, okay? And I'm glad that we're not having to fight snow and ice. Let's make sure that our hearts aren't that way, that it's open to what God wants us to do, that we have a warm welcome to each other and to... The Heavenly Father, as we worship Him in song and praise. Okay, continue your worship, team.
1: My hope is built on nothing. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest
0: frame. But wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing this verse with us this morning. My hope is built
1: on nothing less. Then Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame
2: but only trust in
1: Jesus' name Christ.
0: He loves like a hurricane and I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and
1: mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. Oh no. darkness over every enemy. Jesus, for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is Jesus.
3: mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Shout, from
1: Shout Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over. Oh, forever The Holy Name, Jesus. Sing it one more time with us. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family. I speak the Holy Name, Jesus.
3: Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus
0: Man, pray with me this morning Lord we approach your throne here this morning God just lifting up high the very holy name of Jesus Lord above that name there is no other name God we speak that name into every situation that we're going through Lord that, or that marriage that is in trouble Lord and God that illness that seems to just be like a dark cloud looming No sign of breakthrough, or for that financial situation that, or doesn't seem to to have an answer, or for that child and that grandchild that God's been prayed for so many times, or for that work situation, or God, there's so many different. Things going on in our lives, God, and, and, and these are these are times that are hard to live in, Lord. But God, we just speak the name of Jesus over every single situation. Lord, my prayer is that you would just get glory as we see these things come to um, to victory, Lord. Lord, we already claim victory. We know you are victorious, God. and We're your people and you love us, Lord. You want us to have victory too. God, let us lean into your word. Let us hang on to your word. Let it be our hope. Lord, let everything that we do honor you. We love you, Lord. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning.
2: past week I heard from one of our families indirectly through someone else and that family had several young children and when they discovered that they were not having church last Sunday they said can we just go to church well we can go to big church they typically go to children's churches like okay but there's no church at all I mean they were gonna settle for big church <laughs> isn't it cool when kids just they they love God so much that if they're not able to come to church they want to be here. I mean that's about as good as it gets right there. If you remember a few weeks ago we started out the year talking about the one activity that you could do that would have the greatest impact upon your life and uh, I asked it this question what is the one thing that you could do that has the potential for radically changing your life? And, and I think by now most people could answer that by saying what? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the one thing that we can do that absolutely will radically change your life. And I believe that that is probably one of the most important things and probably at the top of the list of all those things that you could do that would have a great impact on your life. However, now, I still believe that. That's my foundational statement here. I, as I was preparing for the sermon today, I got to thinking about this regarding groups of people. We have a habit in our culture of placing people in different groups, but I'm going to submit to you today that there are really only two groups of people. Only two. When it comes down to it, you can just count on this, that there's either the group that are saved and there's a group, the second group, that are unsaved. Those who have accepted the free gift of God and His only begotten Son, they're in one group. They have an eternal destiny toward heaven, to heaven with the Heavenly Father. And then there's the other group that is unsaved and their eternal damnation is hell. You believe that? It's very much true and it comes from God's word. The good news is in spite of that, that there's only two groups and if you're in the, if you're in the group that has accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ, you are, you are, God's doing a work in your life and you've got an incredible future ahead of you no matter what your future is whether it's present in this world or the world to come. God is gonna do an incredible, has done an incredible thing for you, and will continue to. But there's good news for this other group, this other group that have yet to accept the gift of Jesus Christ. And if you will make a decision, it too will have the greatest impact on your life when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and that's where it starts. If you wanna have an active prayer life that's gonna have an impact on your life, it starts with you being a part of God's family. And he does an incredible thing when you choose that. And life just is, it's not just, you're gonna have trouble, you know that. But at least you have God to walk th- with you through this life of trouble. I'm telling you, there are a lot of folks right now. I mean, that, that, that song, that, uh, that was that prayer really, that was just done of speaking Jesus over everything. There are a lot of people right now, personally that I know, that need to have Jesus speaking into their lives. You know some folks like that as well, because some of them are part of our church family. Speaking Jesus into our lives and that initial prayer of asking him to come into our life Will in no doubt be the best decision that one could make and that allows you to become a part of God's family and allows you the ability to call on him in prayer to go to him continually making a difference in your life each and every day And if you've never done that you're sitting within the sound of my voice and today's a great opportunity to ask Jesus to become your Savior and your Lord to make a difference, to have a, begin an active prayer life. So this morning, I want to continue this theme of prayer, and I want to do this by looking at Daniel of the Old Testament. So we've kind of given this idea about praying, that that's important for us to do, the greatest thing that you could do. Then we took a look at, um, um, we, we we looked at, well, I'm trying to just lost it. What did we look at the second week? You, you can't tell me. We looked at praying in thy will be done, that was it, and, and praying that God does things for us through his will. And today I want this to be a practical kind of approach as to what happens, what happened with Daniel when he became a man of prayer of God, okay? So as we look at his life, he was a person of prayer in every circumstance, in every situation, Daniel saw God in prayer. So before we get into chapter six, let's kind of look at the background of Daniel. He's living, he was living in Israel. He was a descendant of King David. He was from a family of aristocrats of Israel. He was a man of very noble birth, but there's a problem. Israel falls and as a result Daniel is taken as a slave he and three of his friends or many more but these that are cited are are chosen to serve in King Nebuchadnezzar's court now they found themselves in this in this foreign land with little chance of escape and you talk about someone who goes from having everything going his way into uh, a radical change of a culture that happened in his life. Everything that Daniel had known has now changed. It's different. That happened because they... because of the disobedience of Israel. This, this nation, time and time again, had disobeyed God and had walked away from God, and this became the result of it. And they, they <clears throat> went from being this nation of God, immersed Daniel and his friends in the teachings of Israel, into a totally different kind of lifestyle Uh, immersed into a pagan lifestyle, and and they were forced to start trying to learn all this. God often did this in the life of Israel. So let's pick up in verse 1, chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. Jerusalem was a temple where it was. It was a place that God had blessed. It was a place David had reigned. It was where Solomon had reigned. Then they, they thought it would never fall, but it does. And here we find them, them, themselves in this situation. The Bible says that it had fallen to a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, not a good guy, very vicious, to dishonor this king would bring suffering of his wrath in your life. And in verse 2, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, and along with them some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put them in the treasure of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of the court officials, To bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome. Let me just pause there. If I'd have been in that situation, they would have chosen me. No physical defect. Handsome. Could have been a little taller, but we'll take it as it is. Showing aptitude for every kind of learning well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So the king gives these orders to go, go and pick out the best of the best of these captured folks, these men. And, and, And he gives them very specific instructions on which ones to pick out and bring them into his own palace trained them in the ways so that they can go back, there was purpose in this, so that they would go back and influence others into this culture and these pagan ways. Verse five, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service. I mean, this is really some very intricate instructions and description of what took place during that time. I mean, they're going to re-educate these Israelites in the Babylonian ways. It's a total effort to brainwash them into that culture and bring them in here for the next three years, and we're going to teach them how to eat. We're going to teach them how to act and talk, and behave themselves just like they were uh, from Babylonia. Now, as I'm thinking through this and I'm reading, I, I've known a few Marines. We've got several Marines that have been in our church, you know, and I appreciate the service of the Marines. And I had the closest I ever got to Marines is was, was I got to visit Paris Island and, and, and it was kind of a junket type of trip for educators to go down there. And we experienced those first few hours that the recruits, that's what they call them, Sean, right? Recruits. Experience when they arrive in the middle of the night, except we were there in the morning time. They get them all, they, they put them on this bus. They, they, as soon as they arrive at Paris Island, I mean, immediately they're being yelled at. I mean, it's incredible. They have these painted footsteps out on the pavement. And almost immediately when people arrive, you have these instructors who get on this bus and they are in your face. Am I, am I, am I not telling the truth, Sean? That's right, right? And they are like, you know what? Those guys cannot, and, and ladies cannot do anything right. I was watching. I mean, they were treating us this way. I knew it was all pretend. But I was being kind of, I was hot and sweaty and thinking, whoa, this is, this is unbelievable. They are really in my face, and I had a choice to leave. Recruits didn't. It's like You know what they were doing? They were teaching them how to act like a Marine. They were breaking them down from everything that they had been exposed to in their life before, and they, were, they taught them how to, to talk differently, they taught them how to walk differently. You wanna, you wanna demonstrate that walk for us, Sean? They, they taught them, you know, they, they shaved their heads and some of them ended up permanent head shaved. I mean, they were, they were just totally breaking them down, you know, because they wanted them to be what? A Marine. This is what I think was happening to Daniel and his friends transforming them from what they were into what they wanted them to be. Among those were, who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel resolved, now watch this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself in this way. Now I want you to notice this word here. He asked. He asked. He did not rebel. He did not protest, but he requested had an opportunity to, this is just a little extra, okay? All right, had opportunity to ride with uh, one of our local uh, Nolensville police officers on Wednesday night, and within minutes, they pulled over a car, and I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of detail on that, but I will tell you, when they pulled this driver over, the driver was very kind and reacted very kindly toward the police officer. And in that, that driver was treated well, and I'm sure had they even not acted that way, our Nolensville police officers would have treated people that they pull over with respect. But I wanna tell you the kindness of that driver who was pulled over received some mercy because of how she acted. Now, let me just tell you this. I, I made a comment to, to the sergeant I was riding with. I said, man, and he came back and he commented on how kind she was and how uh, she was responding to everything he was asking her to do. And I thought to myself, why is it that parents aren't teaching their children how to respect law enforcement? Er, Don, Donnell's back there and... That man works hard. And because of the work that he does and all of his, his um, fellow officers, whether it be in Nolensville or Nashville or any other place, they deserve respect. Amen. And if you show that kind of respect, it goes a long ways. Makes a big difference. And I have a feeling, now, If you pull me over, (laughs) Donnell. That should get me out of a ticket or two in the future. (laughs) Daniel requested, I think it says, nature. God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. You see the response from the official? But the official told Daniel... Hey, look, I I like your request, but I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. We're familiar with the story, right? You know, Daniel tells the fish, I don't want to eat your food. I've made these commitments to God, and if I do, then it's going to interfere in my relationship with him. But the guard says, you don't know what you're asking. I mean, this is not, it's not just affecting you, but if the king finds out that I've defied his orders, he's gonna have my head, it puts me in danger. So if you don't eat, if you don't follow the plan, it's gonna be me. Well, Daniel has a response. He then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance uh, uh, with that of the young men who ate the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So let's just give it a try for ten days. I mean, come on, now, just put a human side to this for a minute. You've been taken to a prison. You've been chosen to participate in this experience of the king. You're a prisoner and and being told, you get to eat the best of the best, the best food, the best drink. Whatever is served in the palace is what we're going to serve you. We're going to take care of you, and you're going to eat just like the king does. I mean, come on. That sounds pretty good if you're in prison, especially if you've already been there and you're getting the same kind of food that the other prisoners got. But Daniel says, wait a minute, I'm going to pass all that up. We've been offered this, but no thank you. Just give us vegetables. Hmm. I'm, you know, just keep going. The staff has, we have lunch together most every Tuesday. And, you know, you know I'm, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat red meat. I mean, just that's just the way it is. So it's always a challenge. Whenever we get in the car together, it's like, everybody's trying to figure out where we're going to eat. I mean, um, Eric likes to me eat all these weird things. I, I don't Comes up with these different places. It's like we're going there, and I'm like, no, not while well, I'm in the car. You're not. <laughs> and then every every week, it's always where can we eat where Kelly can eat because <laughs> Kelly's a vegetarian. You just mess it up every week. <laughs> every he's pretty good though. We did go some places. We went over to to the new restaurant over here. Uh, and, and we ate and, and he got he ordered I thought he was ordering a hamburger and I had to do a double take because it was a you know what it was a veggie burger he said it's good I said how do you know there is no way a veggie burger can be as good as a red meat hamburger just can't happen Do you let, I'll let you decide. Do I look better than him and him better than me? <laughs> if he'll be eating the vegetables, that's for you to decide. Daniel wants vegetables. But Daniel wants something more than that. He wants to honor God. His determination in this was to please God. In this terrible circumstance he found himself in. In this strange culture, the Bible tells us that God used Daniel by doing what God wanted him to do, and in that, Daniel finds favor with the man who's over him. In fact, It goes beyond that. If you read on through chapter 4, the king, other kings, begin to turn toward Daniel's God. He uses his influence for many people. Not only the king does he influence, but the people who are all around him. So we have this background here. Let's jump over to chapter 6. And now we're going to find out specifically how important prayer was to Daniel and the extent he was willing to exercise his prayer life. Okay. By, by this time, he's had influence over three different kings, and now Darius comes onto the scene. Chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with these three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. He's progressed. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel, watch this description of him, was so distinguished among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He's done well. Now, just to kind of pause here, he had done well in times past, but what's about to happen to him is not based on what had happened in his past history, although that certainly must have had something to do with it. He has continued to impress those who were over him, including King Darius, he began, as according to what verse 3 says, began to distinguish himself among the commissioners and the satraps because of the extraordinary spirit that he had. He had proved himself faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And the king trusted uh, Daniel so much that he's thinking about putting Daniel in charge of everything. Isn't that amazing? At this time, the, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. They don't like what's happening so they're trying to figure out, how can we get some dirt on him? But he goes on to say, they couldn't find anything. That's an amazing thing to me. They looked, they looked, they couldn't find anything. Nothing wrong, no charge, no fault. Because Daniel had been faithful to God. He, not only had he been faithful to God, he did not abuse the power that he had been entrusted with. His testimony is awesome. His character and ability is unsurpassed. His work is such that not even his enemies can bring charge against him. I guess suppose we could say that Daniel was a man of distinctive character, distinctive in how he worked and how he lived and how he worshiped and served his God. He's a man of faith and had worked hard at both following God, but in the meantime, had really worked on advancing his career. Now, I don't think that's necessarily what his intent was, but it just happened. Now, please understand, this is not one of those sermons where if you do everything according to what God wants you to do, he's going to bless you, and everything's going to, what do they call that, prosperity type of gospel. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you want to have a life that's going to please and honor God, he blesses that. How he chooses to do it is totally up to him. The truth is that, you know, he, he, uh, it was God who's controlling everything in Daniel's life because God has a purpose for using him. But on the other hand, it was up to Daniel to find himself in agreement with what God wanted him to do. And that's true with us. God's in control of everything. As I said earlier, a lot of folks going through some tough times right now. Death, there's an incredible amount of death taking place. People that are sick, a lot of issues going on. God's in control of all of it. But it's up to us to line up our lives with God Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. Man, wouldn't it be a cool thing if that could be said about us? The only time we're ever going to find anything is when it comes to your faith. So they, <clears throat> they, they, the only chance they have of finding anything is connection with the rules of his religion. So they start trying to find fault there. They realized that the only way that they can get through to the king to sidetrack Daniel was to cause interference between Daniel and his God. They watched Daniel. They know he's a man of faith. They know he's a man of prayer. It's probably the reason that the officials knew that and, and developed this this ill-gotten plan that they had because they had watched Daniel. So pick it up in verse six. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors and governors all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, king, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revealed. For their plan to work, they had to be agreement with all of them. And they go with this in total agreement under this facade of long live the king. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, you heard me say this about government. It's not a slam against our government here, but it is true, and it has proved itself throughout history. Government is at best temporary, and at worst corrupt, and we see it here. The officials did not care about their king, They were only interested in getting what they wanted from him. So they're all in agreement. And they go to him and they convince him, anybody who prays, unless they're praying to you, king, man, let's doom them. What a plan. Now, their motive is not prayer. Their motive is judgment against Daniel. Daniel. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Seems like there was no hesitation from the king in in signing the decree. Maybe it was that he signed it because he had a pride-filled heart, like, I'm the king, I have power, everyone else should pray to me. Why not? So he signs a law that even he as king would be subject to a decision that he would later regret. Did you ever make a decision that way? Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home, watch this, to his upstairs room where the windows were opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You see, the consistency of of his prayer life. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Well, it doesn't say, but I suspect that they had planted a spy. Go keep an eye on that guy. Make see what he does. Goes back and reports. Guess what? He did exactly what you all thought he would do. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. And then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. Your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. And when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and make every effort until sundown to save him. And then the men went as a group to King Darius and said, Hey, remember this, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order... And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Then the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. There's a whole sermon right there in that verse. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation may not be changed. I'm glad the story didn't end there, right? You know what this really, though, proves? Man can try to do something, but ultimately it's up to to God. God's always going to take precedent when we allow him to. Then the king returned to the palace, spent the night without eating and without any entertainment. being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the lions? I'm still here. That's what he... May the king live forever. May God, my God, send an angel, and He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I found I was found innocent in His sight. Nor have I done ever done any wrong before you, Your Majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and Daniel was lifted from the den. No wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who, men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their lives and wives and children. That's pretty bad. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and have, have must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is a living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will be will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. How did he get there? How did he withstand? I suggest to you the way he did it was through his prayer life. Daniel's a man, a prayer. Go back to verse ten. Watch what it does. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. You should maybe, if you follow on your Bible, underline that part of that verse. Daniel prayed when it was against the law to pray. He had other choices. First, he could have chosen not to pray. How many of us would do that? I mean, certainly that could have possibly been the safest option as far as revenge or or, or punishment from the king. It would have meant that he, however, would have not been spending time in fellowship with his God, but at least he wouldn't be thrown into the lion den of lions. Secondly, he could have closed his window and prayed in secret. He had a choice that he could do that. He, he would have remained in fellowship with God, but he also would have hidden his faith from those around him. His third option was the best option. And that was to trust God, his powerful God, Continue to live as a man of faith, continue to pray, regardless of what possibly would happen to him as he violated the law of the king. He chose to go home and pray with open windows so that everyone could see. Now, let's just get to some practical things right quick very practical characteristics of a prayer life. Now, you can go and you can, you can find all sorts of things on how to pray and when to pray and all of that, and I encourage you to do that. But let me just give you some very practical things. The first thing was this. Daniel was committed to prayer. How committed was he? He was committed even to the extent of Possibly losing his life, but it was. And let me give you another instance of his commitment. He was committed, in spite of danger, to continuing what he had already been doing. That was commitment. He goes upstairs to his room, his usual place of prayer. He communicates with God with an with not only an open window but with an open heart. He. he purposely does this so that all could see. Steve Brown in a book called Approaching God says this, before you begin the hard work of prayer, you must make a commitment to pray, no matter what, so that it becomes an essential part of your life. Prayer, if one, if one is going to be successful at it, must constitute a major commitment. So the first thing is be committed to pray. The second one is this. Daniel's prayer life demonstrates his personal devotion and his dependency on God. Notice that it says he gave thanks to God and that he was asking God for help. Daniel gives thanks. Not what, we don't know what he was giving thanks for, for. We're not told. But he was thankful for God, to God. Now, Back up a little bit and remember what kind of situation he was in. God, I'm thankful for what's happening right now. Doesn't say that he was praying for deliverance. He was thanking God, whatever it was. Daniel remained faithful and praised God in the middle of all those circumstances Paul picks this up in Philippians 4, 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Daniel had been loyal to the king, but he had a higher loyalty to God, and he was acknowledging this. And Daniel, there's no question that Daniel's prayer life ranks right up there at the top for the reason that Daniel became a man of influence. Okay, here's the third thing. Daniel devoted a specific time for prayer. There was consistency in his life, three times a day. It wasn't some sudden burst of energy in prayer because of the circumstances were difficult and his life was in danger. It was a continued practice that he had already established. So much a part of his life, that I don't think he could have survived way back without his free exercise of prayer. It shows his persistence in prayer. He prayed, and then he prayed again, and then again, shows his consistency. there. Listen to these verses, how we're taught to pray. Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17, As for me... I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. In Luke 18, 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And then 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He was accustomed to praying as described here because he developed that prayer life early on. And then fourthly this, Daniel knelt when he prayed. Now that's a little puzzling. He knelt when he prayed. I don't think that it's always necessary to kneel when you pray. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is one should have the attitude of what kneeling signifies. Kneeling and prayer is a physical action that indicates recognition of the supremacy and the greatness of an eternal God. It shows that we have a subservient attitude toward God's holiness that he deserves. So what does Daniel do? The same thing we should do. still ourselves before God. It's hard to do. At least it is for me. Just to be still before God. Do y'all have that difficulty? Just to be still and let God speak? I don't have my cell phone up here, but I've got an iPad. That sort of messes up that, doesn't it? Try to get away from your cell phone. Or maybe... Maybe you can't find a quiet place in your house. I, I don't know. Maybe the kids are always demanding. Their job's always demanding. Or there's a thousand other things that interferes with us trying, trying to quiet ourselves before God. What does God say? What does the scripture say? Be still? No that I am God. To be still. See there, we got an interruption right there. (laughs) Never fails that. Whoever's phone that was, fine. I'm not trying to point you out, but that's the way it is. Maybe that's God kind of speaking us through that sound. Comes a point in time, if we really want to get to know God, get to know what He wants to do in our lives. We have to be still in His presence. Kneeling is a body posture, a mental posture of saying, God, I, I, I want to glorify You in my life. it takes kneeling to do it, then kneel. If it takes putting away the devices, then put them away. Finding that time. And can I just say this, I mean, the song, sometimes it's just very appropriate to say one word, Jesus. Jesus. I think there are times when I don't know what else to say. I don't know how to pray. Situations I find myself in. As a pastor dealing with other people's issues. And the most appropriate thing I can say is Jesus. And knowing that Jesus is sitting right there in the right hands of God. And he's pleading my case before him, whatever it is. Prayer might be one of the things that, in our Christian experience, that we may neglect the most. I hope not. I'll be honest with you, I, I, I do I find myself so caught up in most everything else, I find myself neglecting my time with God. In these final moments here of our time together, if we really want to expect God to have a great impact upon our lives in the days that are ahead, I do not believe it will happen until we're still before him. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Even now, Father, as we prepare for this time of invitation, I know there's some folks within the sound of my voice that Maybe they're in the same situation I find myself in from time to time, to where I just need to be still. Or I find myself in a situation that I don't know how to pray. I just need to speak the name of Jesus in that trouble, in that situation. Father, I invite, really, you invite people this morning into that stillness, to that quiet into that time of communication with you to bring before you whatever care we have or come before you with a thankful heart or maybe just to speak Jesus into that situation that we know we have no control over maybe Daniel when he was facing that lion Maybe he was on his knees, kneeling and praying to you, so that you could take away all the fear. So maybe, Father, there's someone in a lion's den, sort of speak, that needs to kneel before you and allow you to speak into their situation. Remove the fear, the angst, and change it to trust and faith and hope. Father, our time is open here for this invitation to maybe come here and kneel in this altar and pray, or maybe to pray with myself or with Kelly or Maybe one of our deacons, if you're leading us to do something, maybe you're leading someone to pray that prayer of, for salvation. They say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, we'd be more than happy to, to share with you. It's really quite simple. If you're leading someone here during this time, Father, and let this moment not pass by without us being obedient to you. Even if it means coming to this altar and getting on our knees before you and praying or sitting in a chair here. May you find us obedient to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Pass me not If you believe it,
1: Savior,
2: Savior, hear
1: my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Yes, why?
2: privilege is, Father, that in this place, even right now, over a hundred people gather. And the amazing thing is there's maybe a hundred and plus prayers being offered to you. Maybe in this very split second, millions of prayers are coming your way. And yet, through your incredible supremacy, your sovereignty, You're able to hear and answer every one of us. Don't pass us by, Father, as we've spoken prayers to you, believing and trusting and hoping in what you have for us. Help us be a people of prayer, Father, a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, a child of prayer, to bring before you our request. Thank you for the privilege. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. May be seated, please. And Thank you all. Uh, I do want to remind you just about a few really quick things. Uh, one, if you noticed
0: outside, um, our Christmas cards are gone, but in those boxes are the year-end giving statements. And they're available for you for uh, tax purposes. So I encourage you to uh, pick those up. They're um, labeled by last name. So uh, please pick those up on your way out today. Several things going on this week. Um, our student ministry lockout um, is going to be this Friday, rescheduled from a couple of weeks ago um, during the uh, snowstorm there. And then uh, But First Jesus, that's on February the 3rd. So we encourage you ladies to join us here uh, that morning, 830. Uh, come for coffee, conversations, in Jesus. And so always a good time, ladies. Uh, look forward to that. So please, I plan on being here for that. Um, A week from today, if you're here, and um, you're kind of flirting with the idea of making this your church home. Well, I want you to know that we'd be honored by that. But we do a thing from time to time called Discover Sunset Hills. And um, it's just a time that we um, have lunch and talk about ministries, ways that you can plug in different aspects of our ministry. As a newer person, um, it's invaluable information for you. So um, if you would like to be a part of that... Discover Sunset Hills. There's a sign up outside in the foyer. We encourage you. Um, this is no obligation. It's a, it's just a little uh, more information as you kind of dig in and uh, go deeper into the ministry here. And that'll be from 1130 to 1230. We won't hold you more than an hour and that includes lunch and everything else going on. And that'll be immediately um, after service a week from today. Kids Fellowship, they're going to Urban Air today. Um, they'll be a uh, Leaving well, if you need any information for that, uh, please see Courtney. She'd be glad to give you that all, all the information. Uh, and then birthday bags for um, Nolansville Food Pantry, our ladies' ministry. is participating in that. And uh, just if you don't mind, there's a lot of information there. But uh, look at that in your bulletin. Um, they're going to be bringing in shelf-stable ingredients to help uh, put together boxes for folks um, that are... Uh, celebrating birthdays for our food pantries so just a cool ministry that our women's ministry is being a part of So, without any further ado if you'll stand we'll close in prayer thank you for being here Lord we thank you for today God thank you for the great example that Daniel gave us of Lord just uh, even in the face of fear choosing faith Lord let us do that in everything that we do this week and Lord, we know you're going to be glorified through that. Until we meet again next week, watch over us, protect us. Let us honor you with our lives. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, We would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. i mm-hmm.